And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Sunday, March 20th. I am Josh Engel. I am joined by Adam Scher. We are brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy Sports, and we have a seven-game NBA slate to break down for today. Before we get started on any of that, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Decent day for you yesterday, Adam, across multiple sports. Yeah, good day. Uh, won a couple high-stakes MMA tournaments, won an MMA seat, won a high-stakes NBA tournament. So, yeah, good day. MMA is not a live final, correct? Um, or at it least actually it hasn't been. Year. Oh, but, shit, nice. So the way they, they do it is it's three rounds. Like round one, there's 70 total people. Round one, the top 30 people advance. That's online. Round two is online, the top 10 people advance. And then round three is live at a UFC pay-per-view with the final 10. That's fun. Yeah. That'd be really sick to go. Yeah. To. Yeah. Last year was a similar format, but obviously all of it was online. Right. Um, but yeah, this year, the, the, fi- the actual final, like the final 10 is live. Interesting. Makes me more interested in like paying attention to the qualifiers moving forward. Cause that's just like a, a different experience. Than... It's yeah. And it's nice because I mean, since the, like the, the live finals, hundred K to first. So it's a little bit more, not a little bit less expensive to try and qualify. Um, And then also something I hadn't thought about until somebody mentioned it at the, uh, the NBA final in regards to hockey being like a 40 person field. Um, If you win the MMA final, you still get a ticket to the tournament champions. So it's one of the smallest field. Like it's one of the cheapest ways to try and get into the tournament of champions. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. I wouldn't have thought about that, but yeah, that does, I guess that makes some sense. So. Something to pay attention to, that's for sure. Uh, seven games here for us. It's the NBA on a Sunday. Prize pools look fine. Um, we're slowly but surely getting into the dregs of the NBA season. We're coming up on the final 30 days. I'd say within the next week or two, we're going to get some wholesale shithousery clear across the board. But then we get to what should be like an absolutely epic playoff, so long as we don't get a bunch of injuries over the next month. I'm pumped for the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs should be great. Like, it's so wide open. Um, plus, I was able to get a couple of futures bets in when I was in Nashville, so I at least have a rooting interest, assuming Washington doesn't make it. <laughs> Who did you take? Uh, I got the Nuggets to win the title at 30-1 to 1 and the Celtics okay. at 22-1. to 1. Okay. So we're Nuggets-Celtics is the preferred final for you. Yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of point. Okay, that'll work. Well, do you want to just dive into this bad boy, break it all down? Yeah. We're kicking I guess it I should off. get back to the NBA projections and not the PGA showdown projections. Yes, I think you'll do a little bit better on this show by not looking <laughs> at PGA. Unless, uh, of course, Ty Hatton is playing really well because that's who I have in one and done this week. And he's playing just well enough to not matter for me at all. At a crisp tied for 21st, seven under, which is nice. 11 strokes back of whatever a Davis Riley is. Uh, he's know. the guy in my only live lineup in the 250k to first. So hopefully he wins. Uh, based on what I saw, I think that I just saw the cut sweats tweet of simulations. And I don't think that I saw you. I, I, I know I wasn't on there last night. I don't know if it got updated and I improved, but I'm like 77th coming in today. I'm sure I need to run like ultra perfect. perfect across yeah. the board. Uh, you are not on there now. I don't well, really I recognize them, anybody. I appreciate them not jinxing me because last time I wasn't on there and I had a good team I won. There you go. That's all you need. The New Orleans Pelicans are four and a half point dogs in Atlanta, 231 total. Nothing too crazy in this one. I think we're kind of 
locked into a, a relatively normal rotation here across both teams. We have no Brandon Ingram still. Devontae Graham is questionable. On the Atlanta side, Trey Young is questionable. No John Collins, but nothing else flying or like hanging out in ambiguity. And we're going to learn all of this stuff before lock either way. So assuming Devontae Graham is in, only one guy is getting any ownership for the Pelicans. That would be CJ McCollum. He's 8,700 on FanDuel, 26% owned. He's 9,200 on DraftKings, 15% owned. I like him a lot more at the $8,700 price tag on FanDuel for sure. Maybe a little bit higher owned than I was expecting, but certainly looks good. I agree, though. Not much else here for the Pels. Yeah, I agree, too. Um, I do think McCollum looks very good. He's played four games now without Ingram and with Joe Val. 33% usage rate, 43% assist percentage, 1.4 DraftKings points per minute. Not a bad matchup, likely to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think everything looks good for him. Joe Val has a really high ceiling, but the issue is just that you're – basically paying for it at 8,500. And I think this is a big enough slate where you're going to just be able to find plenty of guys that you're not overpaying for and a big enough slate that um, you can get relatively low on guys that still look a little bit underpriced. So it's not that I think Joe Val is bad, but I just think you're, you're paying a premium there. Beyond that, it's really difficult for me to find anything else I really want since pricing has um, pretty much adjusted for Brandon Ingram being out with the exception of CJ McCollum. Yeah, I expected a little bit more here coming out of the Pels, but it, I just I see nothing at all. You know, like to me, everybody's just sort of appropriately priced at this point. Yeah, where do we have McCollum in the boom bust tool? Yeah, basically correctly owned, thirteen percent optimal percentage, sixteen percent ownership. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Yeah. Joe Val, for for what it's worth, like Joe Val at eighty five hundred, we do have going under owned two percent ownership, six percent chance of being optimal. But that's just the kind of play where he's getting in a lineup here or there as your yeah. contra- high upside contrarian piece. You're not going into the slate saying like, oh, Joe Val's the biggest edge I can find. I'm going to just jam him in everywhere. Yeah, he is he a positive leverage play based on that data? Yes. Is he the forty first best right. play today based on optimal odds or, or whatever the hell the, it is? Yeah, and like that's when. In, the leverage, the positive leverage doesn't mean as much when you're not near the top of optimal odds. Yeah, when you're when you're expected to fail 94% of the time, uh, you know, you, you don't you typically don't want to be going too crazy on that stand. Absolutely. Is there anything else we should be talking about here for the Pels? I don't really think so. All righty. Uh, okay, uh, I, I, we do have one thing that we should touch on. If Devontae Graham is out, who is impacted positively? I would think you're looking at more... $4,400 Alvarado. Yeah. Um, but I also think that you probably just get minutes spread out. Like Najee Marshall plays more. Trey Murphy can play some more. Um, like it's not like they have to replace Graham with a point guard because you have McCollum. So um, I yeah. think it would just be like all of those guys step up. But again, they've all become more expensive as well. Yeah, they're, prob- they're probably casting just that big wide net over Ty Wallace, Marshall, Trey Murphy, Alvarado. They got There's no one set guy that just soaks it all up. Like, I, I kind of think Marshall, Murphy, Alvarado are priced for Graham to be out. Like, if Graham is in, yeah. I have zero interest in those guys. If Graham is out, it's like, okay, well, now they look playable. But yeah. Trey Murphy, by the way, 3900 on FanDuel, $1,000 cheaper than he is on DraftKings. He opens up a little bit more on FanDuel on the off chance that Graham ends up out. Sure. On the Atlanta side, clearly we're waiting on whether or not Trey Young is going to be playing here. I have him in. He's 10-4 on FanDuel, 10-2 on DraftKings. Certainly looks good in this spot. As does, like, the rest of Atlanta. I'm happy to get to Herder, Hunter, 
Bogdanovich, Gallo, Capella, they all look really similar to me. Yeah, the young news obviously is is huge, but if Young is in, I basically I, I like Young at ten two. I'm interested in Capella at sixty four hundred. But other than that, I'm not really that interested in anything. Uh, if Young is out though, I think Bogdanovich starts to look good at sixty eight hundred. Herder looks good at fifty five hundred. It's a bump for Gallo. It's you know obviously a bump for Delon Wright, who's gotten more expensive. But uh, if Young is in, this team is pretty similar to New Orleans for me in that uh, it's Trey Young and then a pretty massive step down. See, I, I have it a little bit closer. Um, I don't know, like not. I think that they're. Atlanta is like a half step ahead of everybody from the Pelicans. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, okay. I think that even if Young is in, like, I think I'm playing DeAndre Hunter before I'm playing, like, Herbert Jones or something. Agreed. Um, I, I agree with you there. But I think it's kind of just like Young looks positive. Capella looks fine. The rest of the guys, I think, are negative plays, but they're at least they're, – they're negative plays in the same sense that Jovell's a negative play, where, like – right. I think that they're overpriced if Young is in, but not by like a drastic margin. That's there's fair. a lot of guys on the Pels where I'm just like, there's no way I could even get to them. I'm with you on that one. If Trey Young is out, I assume we're going straight back to Delon Wright. Although 4,900 now on DraftKings, 4,400 on FanDuel, the price has climbed a bit. 4,900 is uh, at least a price point where you have to think about it because he's not a very good point per minute guy, despite what he did last game. Um, he still would likely play enough minutes to be reasonable. Um, yeah. But this year he started six games without Trey Young. He's averaged 0.92 DraftKings points per minute, 33 and a half minutes per game. So, I mean, he, he would still project well, but yeah. he's nowhere near the, the no-brainer that he was at 3,300. Absolutely. Are we getting to anything else if Trey Young ends up out? Yeah, I think the whole team opens up because you're probably getting 30-plus minutes from Bogdanovich. His usage rate and assist percentage both get up into the mid-20s. Uh, Kevin Herter sees a bump in both usage and assist percentage he's favorably priced in that case at 5500 and then you do get some increased usage for gallo when young's not out there um hunter you're not really gonna get increased usage but you could see you know maybe a couple of extra minutes for him so i think like looking at the DraftKings pricing if young is out i think herder is the guy that ends up standing out the most since he is 1300 less expensive than bogdanovich um bogdanovich's ceiling is very high if young is out and then gallo and hunter just both look you know a little bit better would you like a note from the NCAA tournament? That seems interesting. Sure. St. Peter's is the first team from New Jersey to reach the Sweet 16 since 2000. Seton Hall. The last team to do it was Seton Hall. Their starting point guard was St. Peter's head coach Shaheen Holloway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, That's crazy. It's just, it's just dumb. It's just, it's, that kind of shit just makes me think that the whole world is made up. Well, as as you were saying it, I was what? What? Yeah. Uh as you were saying it, I was like, um, I was like, there's no way. And then I was like, wait, what schools are in New Jersey? Uh Seton Hall, Princeton, I think. Like Rutgers, obviously nobody gives a shit about Rutgers. Um better hope Strafford's not watching this show. <laughs> that there was one reason I said that. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm also pretty confident he's not watching a basketball show while he's in Paris, but um at 10 who knows? You know, the he, hour he, show on a Sunday. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, but still worth it. Uh but yeah, like there's not really schools in New Jersey. No, not at all. That's just so I mean for it to be that extra little step of just like even just oh man, 22 years since a team from New Jersey. Like that sounds like a really long time. And then you top it off. You put that cherry on top. 
that's when it gets a little interesting. Have you been watching any of the tournament? No, my bracket went to shit the first day and I just stopped. I was like going in, I was like, cool. I actually have a reason to use like all of my TVs and this will be a lot of fun. And then it was just like, I hate college basketball. The only reason I would watch is because I think the tournament is fun, but my bracket is so bad. I don't even have a rooting interest here. So uh, I'm good. That'll do it. Yeah. If it's on like in the background, you know, yesterday was really nice. So bounced around to a couple bars. If games were on, I was watching whatever was on the TV. I just, I don't care at all what happens. It's nice. Like if I'm at a bar, like during the day, because at least there's something on TV, I'm not sitting there watching like first take or something. Um, But yeah, like, when I'm at home, I just don't care enough to like turn on the TV and get to the channel. I wish that I was in a state that allowed live betting because I oh, would have yeah. loved to just fire a bet off while I was at the bar just to like a rooting interest in anything. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I actually didn't really take advantage of it in Nashville. Like it yeah. obviously was before the tournament, but they st- they had the uh, conference championships on. Um, but I'm just, I was so used to one, I don't know anything about college basketball, but like I was with people that, that did, but I'm also just so not used to having live betting. They'd be like in the app, like, oh, this is the line, like I'm firing. And I, for me, it would be like, oh shit, I guess I would have to get my phone out, open the app, get there. And it's not going to be there anymore. Yeah. That's, I'm not, uh, I'm not well-versed in it. I don't like, I'm not, I don't even think about it. I don't, it doesn't register to me to be like, oh, I need to hit that under right away or anything yeah. like that. I just don't have that in yeah, me. Yeah, and then I finally, uh, so uh, a couple of us went down to a bar. They didn't have MMA on, but we, we were watching it on like my phone. And there was one fight in particular where we're watching the fight and we're both like, this guy, is, this underdog is going to come back and win. Let's live bet it after this round. Like 30 seconds before the round ends, the underdog gets the knockout. It's like, damn oh. it. <laughs> That would have been fun. Um, to answer the question, somebody said, I hate college basketball as well, but why do you hate it? Uh, it's just, I don't think it's a good product. Like, yeah. I think the excitement level is fun in the tournament because there is, you know, parody and it's kind of like most of the players are so bad that any team can win. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't get enjoyment out of people not being that good at the sport that I'm watching. Like, I can go it's watch like the WNBA. I can go watch high school sporting events too, where it's competitive because everybody's on the same level and they're not very good. Like, I don't know. I just, if I'm going to watch sports, I want guys that can like make shots and do things. Not like, Oh, they play good defense because the other team can't make a layup. Right. Like I don't want to watch single a baseball on my television either. Right. Like, like it's, it's entertainment. Like sure. You know, the the emotion of March madness is different than most other sports. Right. I I love, I I love the format of the tournament. I think it's exciting. I hate college basketball as a product. Agreed. We're on the same page. I used to love it. I used to be like, I used to be fascinated by it. And then once I started watching more of the NBA, it's like, oh, these guys aren't as good. It blows my mind that people would rather watch a college basketball game than the NBA. Unless you went to that college, I'm 100% with you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, or you're just like, you know, you're talking March Madness versus a random Pels Atlanta game. Sure. Right. Maybe. Like, I'm still going to watch the Pels game, but, yeah. um, you know, you, you at least. Uh, there, there's, you know, a different level of excitement just in competition. But yeah, it's like, I don't know, you can watch guys that are the absolute best at what they're doing or guys that aren't. I don't, I don't really get it. All right. Well, baseball is fine, but you're going to watch Major League Baseball first. Right. Like, it's just, it's the, it's multiple steps down the rung of talent. Like when I went to, um, I, I initially went to undergrad at Coastal Carolina and they had a top 10 ranked one baseball team at the time they were a lot of fun to watch because it was like watching a minor league baseball team like they were all just so good but still 
if you put them next to like the worst major league team, they look like shit. Yeah, it's it's night and day. It's yeah, it's like they're I just don't want to watch worse things. It's I I made a joke about it before. That's why I don't watch the WNBA. Sure, it's just not as good. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do this now, and I know that I shouldn't. I clicked on ESPN yesterday, and. I don't know. I think it was Stanford. I don't remember which team. It's not really important, but one of the girls dunked and the, like the, the blurb below the video was just like, so-and-so, whoever this is with the epic dunk against whatever. And she goes and dunks the exact same way that I would have when I was 20, like, you know, one handed, barely barely gets it over the rim type joint. And the picture under that is LeBron going up for a dunk. And he's got it, like, cocked back behind his head. He's clearly, like, a foot and a half above the rim. It's just two completely different things. But the first one was called Epic, and the other one was just, like, LeBron dunking on a Thursday. And, and like, to be clear, like, and to me, it's not even taking away from, like, the WNBA. And I'm not even really trying to take away from college basketball. Like, the best college basketball programs are still, you know, the be- the players are the best at what they're doing. It's yeah. just that, like, I guess I don't like – I'm not, like, a huge basketball fan in the sense where, like, I just crave basketball and just want to watch, like, the best at all levels. Like, I like basketball enough to watch, like, the absolute best in the world, which is the NBA. Yep. We're on the same page. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the schedule for the rest of the day. College basketball live before lock will be coming up next at 11 a.m. NASCAR live before lock coming in at 2 p.m. We've got the NBA deeper dive at four, along with the NBA live before lock show at five o'clock. No free content today because it is Sunday. We don't give out the goods on Sundays. Next game, game number two after 20 minutes. Oklahoma City, five and a half point dogs at Orlando, 226. This is the type of game where I might be more likely to catch uh, a college basketball game because OKC Orlando is not exactly thrilling stuff. We'll start on the OKC side, I guess. God, I'm so tired of talking about this team. I'm really looking forward to next season at this point. Trey Mann is off the injury report. Shea is questionable. Still no Giddy, JRE, Williams, Favors, Jerome, Muscala, Dort. All those guys are still out. So a lot of ownership coming in here. Baisley, 20 to 30% owned, depending on the site. Trey Mann's 24% on FanDuel. Poku is 25% owned on DraftKings. I haven't even mentioned Shea if he plays. I think we're going to get to a lot of OKC today. Yeah, I hate when I pull this team up and they're like lit up in green, but they're just missing a lot of guys. It's a good matchup. Um, One of those games where it's just absolute garbage in the NBA, but... um, from a DFS standpoint, there are going to be some plays. If Gilgis Alexander is in at 9,900, I think he looks uh, very good at that price. Baisley at 5,700 looks fine. Poku at uh, 5,100 looks fine. If you take out SGA, everybody looks better. You know, Trey Mann steps up. Teo Maladon uh, at 3,500 probably ends up looking like one of the best value plays. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot to get to here. You do also have the nightmare center position where, like, they're just alternating basically between like Roby and Sar, but then neither one is playing enough minutes to really matter typically. Yeah. It scares me though, because like if Roby happens to play 30 minutes, he just wins you a tournament. I don't know what they're doing there. You, you see Sar starting and then he's playing like 14 to 18 minutes and nothing makes sense. I can't really wrap my head around this yeah. team at all. The Roby hasn't played a that... ton in a while, but you know, nothing's stopping him from doing it. Right. And then last game you got, oh no, you got. Who did Pokashevsky start for last game? 
Oh, uh, man. Man, yeah. man went to the bench. Pogachevsky started. Yeah. Um. So the the only thing with the SAR and Roby rotation that is giving me like some level of comfort comfort that um they're not going to go back to like a you know 3018 split anytime soon is they had talked a couple of weeks ago about Darius Baisley playing center later on in the season um so at least for now you are getting some of those center minutes from Baisley again that can change at any point OKC has no reason to stick to any sort of set rotation game to game um but you know it's still just very risky and difficult to start throwing darts at, at Roby given his recent playing time this team is gross, dude. <laughs> so gross. And yet we're going to play a bunch of it because it's a pace-up spot for Oklahoma City and it's the Orlando Magic on the opposite side. <sighs> Aaron Wiggins is probably overpriced. I mean, it seems like Shea, Baisley, Mann, Poku are like the four you'd focus on and then Roby and Saar are just like full-on wild cards. Yeah. Um, if yeah, like Roby and Sar to me are the guys where if this were like yesterday's three game slate, I'd be taking shots at them. And then because it's a three game slate, they probably have the best game they've had in a month at like you know twenty percent owned. Um, but you know on this slate, it's just I, I don't really know what to do with it. Like if Isaiah Roby ends up being a slate winner, it's not the most shocking thing in the world. But I just don't think I can project him for close to enough minutes for me to really get to him. Yeah, I gave him nineteen. I gave Sar eighteen. Those can be just about any other number, and I'd believe it. I'm going to go to Orlando. For the Magic. Q tag on Jalen Suggs. Wendell Carter off the injury report. Chumo Kiki off the injury report. Lots of ownership coming in here for Orlando because they get to take on a glorified G League team. Wendell Carter is 40% owned on FanDuel, 6,900 power forward center. It's 20% owned on DK where he's $900 more expensive. Uh, Anthony is 20% owned on FanDuel. Franz Wagner is 20% owned on FanDuel. Bomba is 15% owned on FanDuel. Fultz is 15% owned on DraftKings. Not sure I get that one. Uh, there's just a lot of ownership going around, bouncing across both sites. Lots of individual things to like here for Orlando. Yeah, for sure. Um, if Suggs is in, 4700 is a pretty good price tag for him, assuming you're getting 28 to 30 minutes. And uh, Carter at 7800 just looks good. He's been very productive this year. Anthony, Wagner, Bamba, they all look fine. Um, if you if Jalen Suggs doesn't play, you have a $3,800 RJ Hampton to sync your lineups again. Um, but, I mean, from a point-per-dollar standpoint, he would still project well. I, I, I'm kind of with you on faults. Like, at 4,400, he, he certainly has a ceiling. Uh, he's been very productive this year. His rates are very good both this year. And if you go back to since he first joined Orlando, but you take like all of the point guards off the floor, um, he's got really, really good rates, which is basically the conditions he's playing under here. But you're still talking about like 18, 19 minutes and decent ownership. It would be one thing if you were getting low ownership and you could say, okay, I'll play the game where, you know, if Fultz is really efficient, he gets 30 DraftKings points. But if you're getting him at 15% and – you know, still need him to kind of play to, to like his peak. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's not really a spot that I like getting to all that much. Yeah. I don't, that, that one, I don't get from an ownership perspective. I don't know how he's second. Uh, you you kind of just have to assume that he's going to be playing more minutes than he's been. And I don't really see that being the case. And, and it's reflected in the boom bus tool right now as well. Uh, 8% optimal percentage, 14% projected ownership. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I think it's just a, probably play a bunch of different 
Orlando dudes. Like Wendell Carter to me on FanDuel at 6,900 very clearly stands out as my preferred option. But on DraftKings, I think these guys are a lot closer to each other, whether that's Anthony or Bamba or Suggs, honestly, Wagner or Carter too. You know, their prices are a little bit different, but I just like getting to Orlando because Oklahoma City is so damn bad. It makes it really easy to want to roster people when you play Oklahoma City. You're probably getting a positive matchup in some way. Yeah, and Orlando's just not that expensive. Um, they're not like egregiously mispriced. It's not that there's one guy that stands out as like a crazy good play, but every one of the starters just looks either neutral or better. Anything else here, OKC or Orlando? Uh, I think I would rather watch college basketball than this game, but I'll have Agreed. a lot of players from it. Phoenix Suns are 10 and a half point favorites in Sacramento, 232 total. We're still without Chris Paul, and uh, that's not going to be changing anytime soon. Jay Crowder, questionable. Still no Cam Johnson in this one either. Gabriel Lundberg, not going to make it for the Suns, nor will Frank Kaminsky. It's not important. They signed him relatively recently. Um, highest owned guy on the FanDuel side, 17% owned, 17% owned campaign. No one else in double digits. On DraftKings, though, Bridges, Booker and Payne are all in the teens. I think they all look solid. I think Aiton's probably getting left behind there, and he shouldn't. It just so happens he's only center eligible. But Bridges, Booker, Aiton, Payne, it's a great spot when you face the Sacramento Kings. 232 total is the biggest on the slate. Yeah, it looks like a really good spot, and I think there's some favorable pricing as well. Uh, Booker at 9K I think stands out, looks very, very good. He's played uh, – Six games now without Paul and with Payne. Still has a 30% usage rate and a 29% assist percentage. He's averaged 1.45 DraftKings points per minute. Should play a lot, assuming this game you know is, is remotely competitive. And a very good matchup, like you said. So he stands out as the clear priority, but I still think 7,100 on Aiton is a pretty good price tag. I think Cameron Payne at 6,900 is interesting in tournaments. Uh, he's someone that I've been getting to a bit just because it seems like people kind of write him off uh, since Devin Booker is back. But... Still, in the six games that he's played alongside Booker without Paul, he's averaged 1.14 DraftKings points per minute and 30 minutes per game. That's not enough to you know, make him look like a priority, but it is enough to make him look like somebody that uh, typically has been going a bit on their own. Today, we actually have him getting 17% ownership with an 11% chance of being optimal. So at least right now, that's not the case. But um, he is someone that I've been playing quite a bit in tournaments recently. Yeah, I have I have Payne looking pretty good here. I, I like him a lot more on the FanDuel spot where he also gains the shooting guard eligibility, just opens up a little bit more. Yeah, Phoenix looks good. You just you kind of need all these guys to pay play that full freight minutes because they are the also the biggest favorites on this slate. And beating up on Sacramento would not exactly be the craziest thing in the world here for Phoenix. So you do kind of have to treat it with kid gloves a bit. A little bit of ownership coming into Aaron Holiday and JaVale McGee. Do you see those as guys you would get to today? McGee, I can always see just because he's cheap and a really, really good point per minute guy. Like if anything happens where he plays a couple extra minutes, he can look really, really good. Um, the the issue with McGee, <laughs> the, is- <laughs> the issue with McGee is just, you know, that barring weird things, he's kind of capped in terms of how many minutes he can play. But I never mind taking shots at high point per minute, guys. Um, Holiday at 3,400. He's actually been pretty productive since joining Phoenix as well. The issue is playing time. Like he played six minutes last game. Um, You kind of need everybody out for him. So uh, yeah, actually, I don't know why. He got passed by Peyton last game. I didn't even notice that. Uh, uh, Our projections haven't yet either. 
Uh, I didn't even look at it just because that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, so. they, yeah we, we have Holiday for 19 minutes. We have Peyton for two. Uh, I think that ends up changing because Peyton played over him last game. Yeah, I mean, it could also just be like a blip, but yeah, it could. Uh, but like, that's usually a trend, right? Like, because it's not like Holiday checked in and checked out, or anything. like Holiday played six minutes of garbage time, and that was the only time he stepped on the floor. Yeah, that's that it's kind of weird though. Going at least from a fantasy standpoint, he'd been producing in Phoenix, but um, you know, when you're talking about his role on that team, uh, him producing fantasy points could very easily not be in line with what they're asking him to yeah. do. Neither one of those guys are going to play once it comes to the playoffs, anyway. So. I don't think they care all that much either way. Let's go to Sacramento then. For the Kings, we have a Q tag on De'Aaron Fox. Evidently, Jeremy Lamb is off the injury report. I don't know what that's going to mean. Uh, if Fox plays, he's 9,200 on FanDuel, 8,900 on DraftKings. We've got DeMontis Sabonis pulling a ton of ownership on FanDuel because he's 8,400 and has power forward eligibility alongside center, 36% owned, fully warranted. Uh, he's 18% owned on DraftKings and still looks good. I think Trey Lyles and Dante DiVincenzo both look interesting today, even if Fox plays. And if he doesn't, obviously they look even better. Is Sacramento in like a sneaky, decent spot here today? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously the Fox news is is pretty big. The Sabonis price tag on FanDuel, as you mentioned, is a joke. Uh, 9,400 on DraftKings looks pretty good as well. Like he plays a lot of minutes when he's not in foul trouble and when the Kings aren't getting blown out. Uh, yeah. The issue is that both of those things happen pretty frequently. But um, if he gets the 36, 37 minutes, he's going to look good one way or the other. If Fox is out, Sabonis looks extremely good. Like he's just going to do so many things for this team offensively. Um, DiVincenzo... Mitchell, not really a price point, so I, I like that much if Fox is in on DraftKings, but if he's out, I think they both look better as well. I wouldn't read too much into Davion Mitchell's production last game. It was a tough matchup against the Celtics. He had a 24% usage rate. He just kind of sucked, but um, you know, still played 35 minutes. If Fox is out, 4,300 for Mitchell, still going to look like a, a great value. Absolutely. And, and mean, don't I, sleep on Justin Holiday. Like, he's 3,900. He's not a great fantasy option, but 40 minutes last game, um, you know, if Fox is out, he's probably going to play a lot as well. Flat minimum 3,500 on FanDuel for holiday shooting guard and small forward eligibility. That's just going to work on a slate like this. It's not going to be fun. I mean, you need a very specific outcome out of Justin holiday, but uh, the minutes will be there or at least should be there. I hate Sacramento. I really do. I don't know. Yet- yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's- I go back and forth with them because like they have, productive players i just for a bad team they have so many productive players like they, they get in each other's way they had even more um, yeah trade uh, i haven't seen much much talk recently about how uh great the sabonis trade was yeah nothing like making a win now move and uh not doing that <laughs> yeah and then they won the first like two games and people were like oh see like blah blah, blah. no they're terrible absolutely terrible Anything else here, Phoenix or Sacramento? Did you see um, – I, I haven't watched the clip. I just saw the, the caption. Uh, on his podcast, J.J. Redick asked Luca about the Kings passing on him. I uh, was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they did yeah, it. They, they wanted a big. I get it. Yeah. And Redick was just like, I'm not even going to follow up here. Yeah. And be like, <laughs> I think if it wasn't Bagley, he might have said some shit. But since Bagley's a Duke guy, he'd probably just right, like, yeah. shut his mouth a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I did actually see that clip. And then I saw the clip about them asking Luca, like what his experiences were in like coming to the States. And he's like, I'd only ever been to Santa Barbara and I went to Six Flags 
<laughs> like that was it they were just dying wait jj was like wait like for real he's like yeah i went to p3 in santa barbara for like two weeks and then i went to six flags that's all i did that's my only experience i didn't know anything else can you imagine luca at like 17 coming over from playing in euro ball and they take him to six like what six flags is like to him right <laughs> I'd love to be there for that day. He just gets to walk around. And then if he tries to do that now, he he can't even do it. He just gets right. mobbed. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the presenting sponsor on this one. That would be Yahoo Fantasy Sports. If you want to sign up, this one's pretty easy. Click the link in the description of this video or just go to awesomeo.com slash Yahoo dash promo. You can get yourself one free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum pretty decent deal you get a little bit of a deposit bonus too if you need some help getting that set up email support at awesomeo.com uh, we got the twenty thousand dollar baller going off today for yahoo so make sure you're getting in there we have tons of tools projections everything designed specifically for yahoo to give you your best chance at winning big so make sure you guys are checking that out today again awesomeo.com slash yahoo dash promo or just follow the link in chat slash in the description of this video all right couple more to go here utah at the new york knicks jazz are five point favorites 221 total this one looks a little bit different than it did the last time the jazz played but it's still very interesting no mike conley no boyan bogdanovich hassan whiteside and trent forrest are both questionable uh, there's also no Daniel House or no Azabuki, but Donovan Mitchell is back. Now, this is incredibly complicating. Donovan Mitchell looks great. 8,500 on FanDuel, 8,800 on DraftKings. Two starters are out. He's just going to do a lot more. We Donovan see Bumps Mitchell in the garden narrative too. That'll work as well. The big piece here though is if Trent Forrest is able to play, is he about to play 30 minutes shooting guard small forward at the flat minimum 3K? Per our ownership, that is what's going to happen because he is the highest owned guy on the Jazz. Talk to me in general about what you want to do here with Utah. I would assume he starts. Um, yeah. I would guess that you're getting, what, Mitchell, Forrest, Hernan Gomez. O Hernan Gomez, Gobert. Yeah. With Clarkson coming guess. off the bench. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I would assume he starts. It's, it's just a spot where... Forrest isn't a great point per minute guy, but if he's starting at 3K flat with shooting guard small forward, he deserves plenty of ownership. Uh, it's just this, a situation where he should be 3,800 or 4K and not 3K. Um, yep. So, you know, pretty drastic misprice in terms of percentage, you know, not not in terms of raw dollars, but like you're getting a, you know, 25% discount or whatever that math works out to be. Um, too early for me to figure that out. Uh, but, you know, yeah, he was. This guy just, relies uh, on math for a living, folks. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I mean, I still have to, I'll go out to bars and like fill out the tip section. And I, I can, in my head, I can like figure out what I'm tipping, but then trying to add them together, <laughs> I still can't do it. That's so, and then somebody's like, what do you do? It's like, ah, only work with numbers 24 yeah. <laughs> seven. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So Forrest is easy. Uh, hit me with the, the cliff notes on why Donovan Mitchell looks good. Just going to get a lot of usage, play a lot. Um, should have the ball in his hands more without... Conley as well, especially if you do get that starting lineup that we just talked about where, and there's no reason to think you're not, where Mitchell's playing a lot of his minutes without Jordan Clarkson. Like Trent Forrest didn't take the ball from him. Royce O'Neal's not running the offense. Hernan Gomez and Gobert aren't doing anything. So you're just talking about having the ball in uh, in Mitchell's hands a ton. Uh, so assist percentage should go up in addition to the usage rate increasing. 
Uh, Red Sox just signed somebody. Um, Trevor Story. Trevor Story. Six years, $140 million. Nice. There we go. What do we do with the rest of Utah? How do you feel about Gobert, O'Neal, Clarkson, Wancho? Is there anything else here? I like Gobert quite a bit. I still think 7700 is just too cheap of a price tag for him. Uh, if Whiteside is out, you potentially – like I think you would have to bump Gobert's minutes projection as well since Azubuki is also out. Um, but even in, if, if Whiteside's in, you're talking typically 30 to 32 minutes from Gobert. Uh, he's really productive. You know, Obviously, last game he lost some playing time because the Clippers were just – getting beat by 30 the entire game, uh, only played 26 minutes. But um, I still just think he's underpriced at 7,700. I don't mind taking shots on Clarkson in tournaments. Like I would expect him to be in the closing lineup if the game's competitive. Um, but I think he's also pretty much correctly priced. Is there anything else here? Like Wancho's pulling a little bit of ownership. That's it. Nobody, we're not getting to like Rudy Gay or anything, right? That, that experience is just not real. Yeah, I mean, since they decided to start playing Wancho, it's made Rudy Gay pretty tough. I mean, he, he did play 22 minutes last game, but the issue is that, you know, they're, they're playing Hernan Gomez ahead of him. So if they're going to keep him in the low 20s, like at 3,700, he can still get there, but I'm not very confident in it. Okay. Sorry. If Forrest is out, um, Alexander Walker at 3,800 ends up looking pretty good too. Um, all right, I'm done typing now, so we can go to oh, the New York Knicks. With me. No, 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 I was just, I was not listening to you at all, actually. No, no I said that if, uh, <laughs> if Forrest is out, Alexander Walker looks like a good value. Yeah. Assuming that dude. Okay, New York Knicks, another team that I'm pretty sick of at this point. No Derek Rose, no Nerlens Noel, everybody else is available. Barrett, Randall, and Burks are all about 25% owned on FanDuel. They're all in like the low teens on DraftKings, and then no one else is getting any ownership. He's been really bad as of late, and I don't feel comfortable wanting to do this, but I feel like Evan Fournier is the guy that's getting slept on the most here at essentially no ownership on DraftKings. Like, I don't love the $5,400 price tag, but the minutes are there. Yeah, he's always he's he's been interesting to me in tournaments for – quite a while where because the thing with Fournier is he's not a very good fantasy producer but he's not bad either he's around like 0.8 to 0.85 fantasy points per minute in the games he's played without uh, Kemba and Rose and on average he's playing like 30 minutes so you get that $5,400 price tag which you know is more or less correct if you get 30 minutes of Evan Fournier but the thing is if he plays well he can get 34 35 minutes and I know it's something Alex mentions a lot um, and I agree with when you get volatile minutes on somebody in tournaments, it's pretty appealing because if Fournier is playing poorly, like if you're getting the bad Evan Fournier game, that lineup is dead no matter how many minutes Fournier plays. Um, yep. If you're getting Fournier playing well, getting those extra four to five minutes when everyone projected him to play 30 is pretty appealing. So it's not a priority for me or anything. You know, I think the boom bust tool reflects it pretty well. We have him with a 5% chance of being optimal at 1% ownership. So He's going on their own. He's not someone that I'm just like jamming into lineups heavily, but um, yeah. I'm with you as far as him going on their own. I think Barrel, uh, Barrel, Randall and Barrett are still the top two guys here. Just um, Barrett still playing a ton of minutes. He was pretty bad for me last game against Washington, but I don't mind going back to him, especially with point guard, small forward eligibility at 7,800. Randall's still reasonably priced at 9,300. Um, Robinson's never bad in tournaments, but I think Randall and Barrett are the two highest priority guys. And then, 
Uh, Fournier does look like he's going a bit under own. Yeah, I just like I see Burks get twelve percent ownership and Fournier get one, and like that's just they're not all that different to me, especially with Fournier having shooting guard small forward. Like he's he's even got the more advantageous uh, positional setup. So I don't want to just jam Evan Fournier. That's not what I'm trying to say either for anybody else that's uh, watching the show. I just I don't understand why he's unowned. I just when I, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, I must have not paid attention to the Knicks rotations. So, like he must be playing. 22 minutes for the past four games and now he played 34 <laughs> last time out yeah all righty uh, on to boston we go 8 p.m game celtics are two and a half point favorites in denver 221 total everybody's available for boston that's normally available neesmith is questionable that doesn't really matter in this one on the denver side still no mpj still no jamal murray no zeke naji so we're getting basically full strength teams here Lots of ownership to Boston on FanDuel. Tatum at 31. Brown, Smart, and Rob Williams are all basically 19. And then on DK, you still get this uh, a bit of ownership to Tatum at 10K. You get Marcus Smart around 12% ownership. You get uh, Al Horford at 11. I don't really see a ton of priorities for Boston on DraftKings. I think the pricing on FanDuel opens them up a bit more. Yeah, I don't see a lot of priorities in the sense where like I'm jamming any one guy into a lot of lineups. I do still think Tatum at 10K looks fine. Uh, he's been playing extremely well recently um obviously you can't expect him to shoot like 85 percent from three like he did last game or whatever it was but um he's playing well you know obviously playing a lot of minutes he's still i think reasonably priced but this is a team looking at the boom bust tool where you do get a pretty nice combination of guys that are under owned and also have pretty decent chances of success uh, we have al horford at 5700 with a 13 percent chance of being optimal at like 10 and a half percent ownership Robert Williams, a 9% chance of being optimal at 4% ownership. Jalen Brown, 10% at 8.5% ownership. Um, so I do think those are guys where it is a, you know, it's a little bit better combination where, yeah, they're not 1% owned like your Evan Fournier or uh, Joval type guys, but they're also more likely to succeed than 4 or 5%. I think we're on the same page there with regards to Boston. I like uh, Robert Williams a ton once again on FanDuel. I had massive amounts of him on Friday which did not work out well for me, but 6,200 with the power forward eligibility. I just don't really understand it. Rough matchup here, obviously against uh, Nikola Jokic. That's not going to be a fun time, but it's not even like he's playing bad. He's at 1.1 fantasy points per minute over the last 30 days. I love Robert Williams. The fact that he gets the power forward eligibility on FanDuel is huge to me. The ownership's already there, but I think that it should be. There's just such a massive ceiling for him on FanDuel with, three points for steals and blocks. It's like he could really have a hell of a day. Why does Derek White suddenly stink? He doesn't? Uh, yeah, I think this is probably a uh, difference between fantasy points and what he's doing for the Celtics. Yeah, I'm quite confident they're real happy they have him. <laughs> Although they haven't been playing him as much as I thought they would. I just, I don't know if they need to right, right now. Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh... There's he a hasn't exactly been healthy for most of his career. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that he's someone that just gets ramped up in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're going to go to a real tight rotation. All of like, these, like Peyton Pritchard. Tice will not Tice see the minutes. floor unless it's yeah, yeah. foul trouble. That That is um actually, though, speaking of Tice, uh, that is one minor cause for concern here with the current Boston rotation. They've talked about wanting to get Tice some minutes. Um, so that potentially has a negative impact on Williams slash Horford's playing time. That's a good point. Switch it over to the Denver side now. No one with ownership north of 9% on DK. We get Jokic and Barton right around 15% on FanDuel. 
Feels like a tough day to get to Nikola Jokic, even though he's incredible. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it seems that way. I mean, it's not the best matchup. You're talking about a, an expensive option at 12K. You're never going to be upset about getting to Jokic, but at least so far, we haven't really talked about a ton of great value either. You know, when the guys that you're like expecting to be jamming in are Trent Forrest, and then, you know, I don't really know who else. Like, um, it, it might be kind of difficult to get there. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really see it. Obviously, if you build a lineup with Nikola Jokic, don't freak out. It's probably yeah. still going to be fine. I mean, it, and it's reflected in his ownership. He's projected for 8% ownership. Um, yeah. Anytime you see Jokic projected for 8% ownership, it's a pretty good sign that not much value has opened up yet. 1.82 FanDuel points per minute for Jokic over the past 30 days. Pretty darn good. Not in the boom bust tool, so can't, can't, can't give any info from that. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just... It's just not a great spot. 221 total. I don't really see anything that I want to talk about from Denver. No, I don't see too much. I don't mind. Like if, if value doesn't open up anywhere else, um, I, I don't mind, you know, taking some shots at a $5,300 Barton or a $4,700 Morris, just hoping for the best. Um, but it's March 20th. You'll probably get some value opening up. Yeah. All righty. Well, two games to go. The late night hammers, AKA these games tip off at eight 30. San Antonio Spurs, six and a half point dogs in Golden State, 227 total. We're clearly going to have a lot to talk about on the Golden State side. When we start with San Antonio, though, Q tag on Josh Richardson, Q tag on Keita Bates Diop, no Lonnie Walker, no Romeo Langford, and uh, no Dougie McBuckets for the rest of the season. Devin Vassell, about 20% owned across both sites. That is the most popular option. Keldon Johnson's up to 7,100 on FanDuel, not really that owned. He's still 6,200 on DraftKings and almost 20% owned. And then uh, obviously getting to someone like DeJounte Murray always feels pretty darn good. What do you want to do with San Antonio here? Yeah, it's actually a pretty interesting team, I think, because DeJounte Murray obviously is is always going to be a good play, um, especially with like the way value looks right now. I think it's just going to be a lot easier to get to a $10,600 Murray than find the extra $1,400 for Jokic at center, uh, at least the way things look. So I do like Murray a lot, but San Antonio could be really shorthanded on the wings. And it's the kind of spot where like it's not it, – it, on the surface, you don't really notice it because it's a bunch of guys that you wouldn't be playing in DFS – but if Josh Richardson is out uh, and Katabates Diop is out, you're talking about Devin Vassell and uh, Josh Primo basically being like the only, and, and Wieskamp, I guess, being like the only wings that they that they have. So yeah. um, I would expect more minutes for Vassell one way or the other, but especially if those guys are out. Similarly, if Josh Richardson is in at 4,400, I think he plays close to 30 minutes and looks decent. So I think uh, you can potentially attack some value on the wings there. Uh, Murray, you know, clearly looks like the, the top guy. Uh, Pirtle is always fine. But I do think paying attention to the injury news on those wings is going to be really important. Yeah, Richardson, huge piece here. I gave him the 30 minutes. I think he looks like the best play on San Antonio if he happens to be in, just yeah. from a minutes position and price perspective. Yeah, and, and Keldon Johnson uh, potentially benefits in terms of minutes as well if some guys are out. Yeah, and at 6,200, that works. I think if those guys start to be out, he probably looks a little bit more reasonable on FanDuel, even at that $7,100 price tag. But yeah, exactly. He's a guy I never get right. Nope, me neither. It's a lot to pay attention to for San Antonio, but there's certainly a lot to pay attention to here for Golden State. Uh, just in case you've been living under a rock, we're not going to have any Steph Curry in this one. James Wiseman also uh, was slowly ramping up, 
Uh, he is ramping back down now. Wiggins is in. Bielitsa is off the injury report. There's no Gary Payton. There's no Andre Iguodala. And Moses Moody is questionable. Lots to like here, but I think the very obvious best piece is Jordan Poole, 7,600 on FanDuel, 7K on DraftKings, and he is the new Steph Curry for at least the next two or three weeks. Yeah, I think he looks good. I mean, 7K is a pretty healthy price tag there, um, especially, you know, still playing alongside Clay and playing alongside Wiggins. It's at least a price tag where it wouldn't shock anybody if he doesn't come through. But at the same time, uh, 875 minutes without Curry on the floor this year, 1.1 DraftKings points per minute, likely to give you mid-30s in playing time. Uh, looking now to see how many of those minutes have been alongside Clay. He's played Big 146. Big time pace up spot, too, for them today against San Antonio, which helps. What did you say? Big time pace up spot, too, yeah. for Golden State here. So, um, 146 minutes for Poole with Thompson on and Curry off. Still has a 22.8% usage rate and one DraftKings point per minute, 26.6% assist percentage. I feel like the usage rate would come up in that scenario. That feels like a little bit of a fluke. Uh, I wonder who's getting it. Kaminga? Yeah, I mean, Kaminga's at 26%. Yeah. Wiggins is only at 18, though. Okay. I, I, I guess, well, I'll look I think pool stabilizes in like that 25 range at that point in time. Cause I don't yeah. think Kaminga drives it all either. So in the 146 minutes that they've been on the floor together, Thompson's at 28.2 pools at 22.8 Wiggins is at 19 Kaminga's at 25. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, it wouldn't be surprised. My, my, my assumption is Kaminga loses a few points and you see both of pool and Wiggins gain a little bit. Agreed. I think you can kind of give the Kamingas too much to Wiggins and equalize both of them. And then I just don't know if Poole's able to grab too much more. That's where it gets a little interesting. Yeah. Either way, I, I want to take I, like, I think Thompson there. is obviously getting his. You would think. Like he hasn't think. been shy even when Curry's been out there this year. No, not at all. How do you feel about him today? 7,900 on DraftKings is a lot. Yeah, it is. But I don't know. I, I don't. Looking at the ownership, like we have 23% ownership going to 7K Jordan Poole. 8% going to $7,900 Clay Thompson. I don't think they're that different. And neither does Alex. Alex yeah. has Poole with a 9% chance of being optimal. He has Clay with a 10% chance of being optimal. And Poole getting three times the ownership. I had a bit bigger of a separation. Um, I might have Poole's usage rate a little bit higher than I should. If I kick that down a little bit, ah, man, I still get significantly more pool than I was expecting. Maybe it's just the $900 that matters. I think pool's more likely to play more minutes than clay too. I don't know about that one. I mean, maybe, but in the sense like, you know, 36 to 34 or something. Yeah. I got a 34, 33 right now. In it's way more likely for pool to play like 38. If he has to, than clay for sure. They're just not going to do that to clay, but, um, I don't know if that's really applicable here either. Yeah. Um, 154 minutes for Clay this year without Curry. One and a quarter DraftKings points per minute, 27.8% usage, 23% assist percentage. What do you want to do with the rest of Golden State? Um, and, and also, I think worth noting, it's a good thing for Clay that Green is going to be playing at least some minutes. Yeah. Uh, without question. He, he just makes things work better on offense. Um, yeah, like I'd be a little bit more concerned that Jordan Poole just decides uh, it's the Jordan Poole show if Draymond's never taking the ball away from him. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, don't, I only think I have Draymond in for like 24 minutes, so I don't think he's out there a ton. But Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, it's not – I don't think you're getting like 
Draymond just playing all the starter minutes or anything even close. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like clay in tournaments the way things look right now. Thoughts on the Looney ownership before we move on to the final game? I think it's just a case where um, there's not a lot of value on the slate. So getting like 24 to 26 minutes from Looney looks like a pretty good uh, point per dollar spot to save some money. I don't mind throwing darts at like Porter or Kaminga and kind of just hoping to get lucky either. Uh, they're both pulling a little bit of ownership. They both look pretty close to, to correctly owned. Um, and then the other thing I throw out there too is, so I think like, I think Clay and Poole are, are very close and I don't think the ownership gap should be nearly as big as it is, but I'll throw Wiggins in there too. Not that I think he's in the same, um, not, not quite as good as either of those guys, but he's getting 5% ownership. Um, he's certainly someone that you can see in any one given game, step up and take on a bigger role as well. Absolutely. All right. A couple more minutes to go here. We got to close this one out. Raptors five and a half point favorites in Philly two twenty three total. We know what's going on with the Raptors. Uh, same as usual. No OG, no Malachi Flynn. And then for Philly, we've got the Q tag on Joel Embiid. Um, I think we are on the same page here for Toronto, but I know one piece is easy. $7,300 on FanDuel. Fred Van Vliet is just stupidly priced and should be owned, but Siakam, Barnes, Van Vliet, Trent, I'm happy to get to all of these guys. Yeah. Um, assuming, I mean, we're, we're at a point now where there's no questionable guys on Toronto and knock on wood. Uh, so a little bit easier to talk about, and it does create a situation where these guys are mostly correctly priced, but they all still have really high ceilings because they all can play a ton of minutes. They're all good. Um, you know, for example, Scotty Barnes, at 8,300. I think it's very safe to say that he's overpriced, but he also clearly still has a ceiling. You have to go back literally one game to see him, you know, put up 60 plus fantasy points. Gary Trent can obviously get hot and destroy a $6,200 price tag. But in terms of chances of success, I think it's Van Vliet at 8,100 and Siakam at 9,100 as the two that, you know, I'd be looking to the most frequently. Likewise. And yeah, just for Van Vliet on FanDuel, play it blindly at 7,300. That's just incorrect. Yeah. Uh, Especially now that we know that he can play like 40 minutes too. Sorry. What'd you say? Like he's not, he's not even limited. (laughs) <laughs> he played no. uh, 47 minutes on the 18th. So right. clearly in uh, uh, overtime, but still 42. Yeah. The the only like minor concern I have with Van Vliet is, you know, whether or not the injury is affecting his performance. Right. But if it's kind of like me and Loft, you're talking about it the other day. If Van Vliet were like 9K or something or 9,200, then maybe you have to try and start to look a little bit more and say like, okay, you know, he's shooting X percentage over the last month or whatever. But when you're getting a discount, I don't really care. Like, I think it's just going to come out in the wash. Um, It's really difficult to quantify how an injury is potentially affecting somebody if it's somebody playing 38 minutes a game because you can at least draw the conclusion that the coach isn't too worried about his health. Um, You know, so uh, I'm not overly worried about it. To answer the question in chat from Mark Curry, uh, no problem playing Clay and Poole in the same lineup, I don't think. We'll close it out with Philly. How much of my favorite play on FanDuel would you like? That would be $5,300 Tyrese Maxey. Although the public is getting to $5,600 Tobias Harris, which is really crazy to see. I like both of those prices. Same. <clears throat> Same. How do you feel about these guys on DraftKings? I think Harden is the the guy we're looking for on Philadelphia. I still think Embiid looks a little better at 11-3, but um, it's kind of the same story that we've had on DraftKings for a while now. Embiid and Harden, I think, are clearly the top two guys. Um, Harris and Maxi have gotten a little bit cheaper. 6,300 for Maxi, 6,400 for Harris. Starting to kind of get into that territory where it's like, okay, you know, they play a lot of minutes. They're going to have some games where they just get hot from three and put up a a good score. Um, So they're starting to get into like viable tournament 
territory for me, but I think the clear priorities are still Embiid and Harden. All righty. Get yourself some maxi for 5,300 on FanDuel, folks. Number one contender for today. Adam, do you have any other content coming out today? No, I was supposed to be off today, so nothing else. There we go. Not even supposed to be here today. Thank you guys for being here. College basketball live before lock is coming up next. Make sure you're checking that one out. Good luck, everybody. Enjoy the final day of your weekend. Back tomorrow, doing it all again. Strategy show in the morning, all that good stuff. Peace out, everybody. Go Yahoo. And hit that like button.